Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Good morning. This is Prophetess Dawn, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. I bring you greetings this morning from on high. I thank and praise God today for the message of redemption, the message of hope, the message of his gospel that he is giving us on this day. God sent me here today to deliver a word to you, and I pray that I won't be before you long, but if I am, y'all know how I do, (laughs) but it is intended to bless you, to stir you up, to encourage you into change. I thank and praise God for this turning point, for this season of our lives that he is turning, he is shifting some things, and I am grateful to be before you today. I want to talk a little bit about Accepting God's invitation. Accepting the invitation of God. Oftentimes the enemy tries to uh, deceive us into believing that God no longer wants to draw us. Uh huh. He tries to deceive us into believing that we don't have to turn from our ways and accept what God has laid before us. We become so complacent. And so content with the lifestyles that we live, we no longer seek the face of God, seek his will, seek his way. But I come to you today to say, God is saying, turn, turn. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their ways. My God, then shall I hear from heaven and heal their land. Heal their land. God is calling us in this season to humble ourselves because we are called by his name. He said, pray and seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then will I hear you from heaven and I will heal the land. My God, my God. It's so much going on in this world. I'm telling you, every time I wake up, there's something else. Yet, I think yesterday, day before, a couple of days ago, there was a mass shooting in Texas, in Texas, somewhere in Texas, uh, and someone went into an elementary school. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Went into an elementary school and killed a lot of babies. Our babies are being murdered. Our babies, just senseless acts of evil. God is saying, listen, my people. Listen, my people, you have been called by my name. If you will just seek my face, seek my face. He said, pray, turn from your wicked ways. I'm going to hear you. I'll hear you from heaven. I'm all the way up in heaven, but I have the ability to hear you and I will heal the land. We get so content with just walking with no consequences for our actions. We think that we could continue on and doing our mess. God said, come out, come out. I need your attention. Earlier this morning, uh, I got this little routine. I'm not so proud of it, but I get up in the morning and I like to do just brainless stuff. I do it in the morning and I do it in the evening. So I'll get on that Facebook or or uh, um, the internet and I'll start scrolling through uh, either videos or I'll scroll through um, uh, headlines. Headlines, you know, a lot of times, sometimes I'll read them if it catch my attention. But anyway, I was I was scrolling through and I came across a video where there was an evangelist. Uh, he was somewhere in California. And he had approached a woman and the woman uh, appeared to be highly intelligent, uh, someone that was very uh, mature and seasoned, uh, but she had a perspective on Christianity. And so the evangelist began to attempt to convert her 
<laughs> I, you know what? We're going to do a training on evangelism and how to build and broker relationships before we try to convert. That conversion technique and tactic that I see in a lot of churches, that comes from slave mentality. That comes from the, the, the overseer, the rulers, you know, that coloniz- colonization uh, mentality. And um, anyway, that's just my perspective. But he was coming from that approach. And I know that uh, we're, we're, we're sent to colonize the earth with the kingdom message, right? The message of hope and gospel. But there's something about uh, the air, arrogance, the the narcissistic um, national nationalist uh, uh, ideology of a lot of uh, Christians that we think that we can force or impose our will on others. Anyway, so this was the exchange, but I loved how the lady handled the situation uh, as the guy was was uh, uh, trying to uh, compel her to understand his philosophy, which was tied a lot to uh, uh, our natural life versus the spiritual promises. He was asking her all kinds of questions about have you ever committed adultery? Have you ever, you know, have you uh, um, kept all of the commandments? And if not, uh, have you uh, uh, committed sin against God? You know, anyway, the approach and all of the things that he was doing and saying, I I, I didn't appreciate it. And so as, as he continued on, it made me think, Why would a person want to receive an invitation for someone that is represented by somebody who just going to come and try to reflect on you? Okay, did you do this? Did you do that? Were you like this? Were you like that? Ah, but so you were. So let me tell you the hope. In grace, in God, in, in God's kingdom, I got something better for you. That that although this this um, uh, standard that you don't even know about, that you don't agree with, that exists in the earth, because my God uh, requires that you meet these. Uh, principles and that you you hit the success criteria uh, as laid out in the Ten Commandments uh, because you haven't uh, done all of these things perfectly. Hey, I got something for you. It's called grace. And through grace, God will permit you into his kingdom if only you believe. And that was his version of the gospel. And I was just sitting there thinking to myself, just knowing, you know, because I'm a sister too. I saw, I saw through. Uh, uh, she was, she was being very sarcastic. So the words that she was saying, although she was, you know, she was being flippant, I could see straight through it. She was just, she was sparring with him. She was giving him bar for bar, and everything he came to her with, she she had a rebuttal because he was weak in his approach. And I could discern that she had a spiritual relationship with God, even with Christ, because I was listening to what she was saying. But anyway, it made me think, why would a person accept an invitation for someone who is represented by someone like you. And so I said, God, let me, what, what, what do you want me to come and, and to say to your people? Because the reality is, if we, if we sit in the reality, we are living in a dying world because sin has infested our atmosphere. It's infested our lives. It's everywhere. I don't want to go before the people and say, hey, point my finger and say, have you done this, 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 this? I don't want to go before the people and give them a false sense of security, making them believe that they can live any kind of way. (laughs) That because we don't see the immediate uh, ramifications of our sin. And that's your grace. That's your true grace. 
that we don't we don't see, you know, something in the Bible. They they sin and, and then they be gone. And it's over. No, no repenting, no, you know, entering into heaven. So so I want to find a good balance. And that's what God has sent us to do, to bring balance and love. Because it is against my um, assignment to make you believe that you can live in sin and still make it to heaven. That's a lie. It's a lie that the enemy has been perpetuating from the beginning of time. He wants us to believe these things so that we can continue In our lukewarmness, we can continue in our callousness. We can continue, but the word of God said, he said, if my people who have been called by my name, now it's something about being called by his name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, And turn from their wicked ways. I don't think that the author of this verse had it wrong. I believe that he wrote it intentionally. In this order. In this order. One, there's an acknowledgement of identity. Many of us are suffering because we got identity crisis. We don't know who we are. We don't know whose we are. But the word of God says, you are called by my name. Now, it's something about a name, my God. When you are called by the name of Jesus, when you are called by God's name, there is power and authority that comes with being called by his name. There's also responsibility and accountability by being called by his name. I remember as we were younger, younger children, you know, in grade school, everybody knew the Courtney's. Everybody knew we we came, we had a a, a a lot of us together. So through school, every teacher knew who we were, principals, everybody, they knew the Courtney's. We carried my father's name. And we knew that we better not go out there and smear his name. <laughs> We were known for being intelligent. We were known for, you know, being uh, well-behaved. Let's say most of us except me. (laughs) And trust and believe. When we didn't honor that name, we got corrected. We got corrected. But he said, if my people who are called by my name, and the next thing he said, shall humble themselves. Humble themselves. What does that mean? To humble yourself, that means you got to take ego and pride out of it. You got to submit and surrender all to God. Many of us suffer uh, from, what what is it, OPP? O-O-P or something like that. I just learned this term a couple of years ago. Uh, We are adverse. We are opposed to authority. (laughs) I'm going to look it up and and give y'all the name in a minute. But we are opposed to authority. And I'm going to have a whole little message on that because we got to get these kids together. Time out for all of that. We so politically, uh, OPP, I think, OPP, um, <laughs> you see how the enemy is. They have it. Uh, op, uh, um, anyway, I, I don't want to get distracted, but I really want to give y'all the name of this condition. Oh, it's I-O-D-D, Oppositional Defiant Disorder. And many of us suffer from that even in our adulthood. We don't want to take orders from nobody because we are ego and our pride tells us that we're in charge. But he said, if my people, because you've been called by my name, if you will humble yourself, Humble yourself. That's the first stance. You got to let go of ego. You got to let go of your pride. 
You got to get before God and surrender all. And then he said, pray and seek my face. Pray, but don't stop there. Seek my face. And why do we seek the face of God? We seek his face, one, for direction, for clarity. We seek his face for protection. He said, if you will pray and seek my face. And then what did he say? He said, and turn from your wicked ways. Now, see the difference between me and that evangelist. And, and you know, hey, I'm just giving my opinion. It's that I'm going to acknowledge we all get wicked ways. But I got to build a relationship with you before I come wagging my finger. Now, some of y'all don't get it twisted now. I ain't talking about my babies, my children. We already got a relationship. I'm mama. I ain't talking about my nieces and nephews. We already got a relationship. I'm auntie. So y'all see a little finger wag. That's because I'm trying to get you together. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But he said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Listen, we got to turn. We got to turn. And if you cannot turn spiritually, if you cannot turn mentally, psychologically, emotionally, I want you to just get up and turn physically. Just keep on turning until that wicked mess just fall off of you. My baby came to me the other day and she asked me a question. She said, Mama, what do you think about deliverance? Is spiritual deliverance, is that a real thing? Is that is that true? I said, yes, baby. <laughs> it absolutely is. Deliverance is real. God has given it to us as a tool to bring down strongholds, to avert our sin in our lives, to live a life that is holy, but it takes a willing heart. You've got to surrender in order to receive. It doesn't absolve us from our godly accountability to walk in uh, holiness and righteousness, but it is a gift that God has given us to deliver us from the things that have us bound. So the word of God says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. He made a proclamation, a promise. He said, then will I hear them from heaven. He said, I'm going to hear you. No longer will heaven be shut up to you. No longer will your voice be silenced. He said, then will I hear you from heaven and I will heal your land. How many of us know that we need to be healed? Our land needs to be healed. Our marriages need to be healed. Our families need to be healed. Our relationships with our children need to be healed. Our communities need to be healed. Our school systems need to be healed. Our governmental systems need to be healed. We need a healing. We need him to come and heal our land. We need God to heal like only he can. We've done everything that we can do. We've attempted everything that we know how. And God said, I want to heal the land. But there's something I need from you. I need you, my daughter. I need you, my son. To humble yourself. I need you to pray. I need you to seek my face. And while you're seeking me, turn from your wicked ways. God is not just looking for us to be sorrowful for the things that we have done. 
He is looking for us to repent. And true repentance means I'm never going back. (laughs) I'm not going to do that no more. In order that I can receive the invitation from God. The word of God in Isaiah 30 and 21 says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. He said, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. God is extending an invitation to you today. He's saying, listen, my daughter, listen, my son. I don't care what you've heard. I don't care what you've been through. I love you enough to come and meet you right where you are. Don't denounce my voice because of the challenges that you've had in life and the people who have disappointed you and the lies that you have been told about who I am. Don't cancel out my call or neglect my invitation because you have witnessed things in this earth of people that I have sent before me. before me to draw you closer to me. Their rhetoric, their legalism, their religious spirit, their evil, their own demons that they're struggling with. Expose them for who they are. And shed a a, uh, darkened or dampered light in your mind about who I am? He said, I know all of that. But I still extend to you my voice. In this hour, I want you to hear from me. I want you to know that this is the way. This is the way. Walk in it. What is the way that God wants us to know? Where does he want us to walk? How does he want us to walk? How does he want us to talk? What are you asking of me? What is this way? The way is the truth. The way is the life. The way is the Christian life that Jesus gave us example after example after example. That he wants us to walk in love and peace and congruency and unity. As kingdom ambassadors, as those who represent the face of God. Because we carry his name. We must walk upright, holy, and righteous. Not succumbing to temptation and our own lust for this world, our own desires. God said, listen, this is the way. Walk in it. I know you may have had some challenges and some some, some trials in your life that has caused you to self-medicate. I know that you have been disappointed. You've been abused and used and mistreated. I know all of this. But yet, I come to tell you that this, my dear, is the way. Not what you experienced at the hands of those that you trusted. Not what you experienced when, when they abused you sexually or, or, or emotionally or even physically. The things that you are running away from. The things they hurt so bad. That you got to pick up that weed. That you got to pick up that drink. That you got to go shoot up or, or, or even run the risk of getting some bad stuff and taking you up out of here before you reconcile things with me. I know what you're going through. I know what you're suffering through. I was there with you. And while you may think that I abandoned you, 
when your mother rejected you and your father threw you away, while you may think that I abandoned you when they were misusing and abusing your body, I was there. I cried when you cried. Every affliction that you felt, I felt. Because I am your heavenly father. While you may think that I just sat back and allowed things to happen. I want you to know that I never, ever, ever. Orchestrated nor did I permit the behavior, the evil of man to be perpetuated upon your life. Yet because of the sin-filled state of the heart of man, the dominion that man has in the earth, the behaviors of those that are influenced by the enemy have prevailed over your life. But I am here. I've always been here. I want to bring forth healing into your life. I want to show you love beyond your understanding. God is not ignoring our needs. God is here to bring forth breakthrough if we yet surrender to him. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, my God, my God, God is extending to us today an invitation. And as we continue to dig into the word, I know tonight we've got Bible study and we're going to continue to get into the word. We're going through this 365 day review of the chronological Bible. I thank God or 52 week review. I thank God for his word. I thank him for what we're learning. And as we know, that predator, that predator, many of us have suffered so much in our lives at the hands of others. And oftentimes we don't understand why. And I'm not here to even pretend that I have all of the answers. My heart was so hurt. I was so sick behind what that evil person did when he went in and murdered those children. And the media wants to talk about mental illness and all of that mess. That's a demon. That's a devil. How can you kill a baby? Come on now. Even if you had a plan in your mind, once you got before those babies, nothing triggered you to snap out of it. That's a demon. That's a demon. So I I would never sit here and tell you that I understand it. I just know what I know and what I hear from God. God said I was with you through every trial, every tribulation, every attack. I was with you. And yet God said, I am here to heal your heart. Heal where every pain is. But as we continue to dig in the word of God, we see early on in in the first few chapters of Genesis. And if you all been following us, uh, I think I only gave Mary the list. So so I'll I'll back up on that. (laughs) But we got our readings that we have to do. But somewhere in and around um, the, the first few chapters of Genesis, We learn about the fall. And in that fall, we understand and learn that that there are two ways of walking with God. There are two ways of walking with God. Walking in obedience or walking in disobedience. 
Trusting in the plan of God without reserve of your own ideals or thoughts or trusting in your own self. Having a life of abundance and living a life of of God's original plan for his people or living in turmoil, discomfort, and pain. We recognize and acknowledge that in the word of God, the predator The predator, the enemy, was there in the beginning. When God created the garden, this beautiful place that he created for his people. Adam and Eve being the first residents and and, and being allowed to experience the beauty of the garden. That predator went and, and he spoke to the woman. He spoke to the woman. He Now, some of y'all preach it like he went through her because she was weak. I ain't going to get on that, on whether she was weak or not, whether she was the weaker of the two, because sometimes, you know, I think maybe we, we might be a little bit wiser. We might think through things a little bit more. But anyway, that's just because I'm a woman and I know women. So he didn't come to her because she was the weaker of the two. He came to her because he knew that she was the, the she wasn't the um, originator of the information or the instructions that came from God. She got the word secondhand. So it's almost like they were in the beginning playing that telephone game. My daddy used to play that with us. We used to enjoy that. But he came to her because he knew that some things could have been lost in translation. And because she did not hear it firsthand and it was communicated through her husband, he wanted to come and question the knowledge that she had. Y'all see why it's important to get into a relationship with God? To get it for yourself. The question was, as as he came to her, will she trust in God's goodness? Is she going to honor God's authority over her life? Or is she going to defer to her own independent thought? Is she going to defer to her own understanding? The question was, as she was dealing with, do I listen to this predator, the serpent that has come to, one, challenge what my husband told me and challenge the revealed and exposed will of God? Will I listen to him? Or will I go with what I know? Adam had a unique position in this whole scenario. If you you dig a little deeper, God had already given him dominion. He had already given him dominion over every living thing in the earth. What was the serpent? He was a living thing. So Adam had dominion over him. He could have shut him right on down, but he didn't. Eve didn't. She did not yield to what her husband had shared with her. She didn't yield to the revealed will of God. They didn't appropriate God's truth regarding the tree that he said, listen, you you can't eat of this. So in essence, what happened The enemy deceived Eve. As many of us, oftentimes, we are deceived in our day-to-day living. We're deceived.
I was afraid that was going to happen. Every time we get to the top of the hour, it's 7 a.m. today. Uh, today is Thursday. I don't remember the act. Okay, Thursday the 26th. Uh, we have Bible study tonight. But anyway, every time we get to the top of the hour, if I have my alarm on on my phone, it cuts off this podcast. So I have to start over, uh, uh, start it again. So I started, but where I left off at, I wanted to convey to you that the enemy deceived Eve. And she chose what her eyes could see and what her heart desired. She decided that she would independently live outside of God's will. Think about it. Neither Eve nor Adam trusted God in his intent. Entirety. Neither one trusted God in his wholeness and his goodness and what they had experienced with him. They decided to eat of the forbidden fruit. And this is where the story begins of the fall of man. But aren't you glad God gave us grace? He sent us this invitation to experience his ultimate love for us. Wherein when we were yet sinners, he sent his only begotten son to sacrifice his life that we may live in eternity with him. While that is where our story lands, you have to know that there were consequences of the actions that were taken. This is why I go back to a lot of times we think that because we have free will, we have a choice. I tell my children oftentimes that you can do anything that you think you big enough and bad enough to do. But one thing you ain't going to do is choose the consequences for your actions. That's already defined. You don't believe me? Try it out. You go out there and do what you want to do, commit a crime, they got the consequence for you. You don't choose that. You go out here in this world and you start living raggedy and doing all of the things that you want to do, life is going to hit you where you don't want it to hit you, and those are the consequences of your actions. The wages of sin is death. That means that you pay into sin with death. And what death is, is eternal separation from God. See, Adam and Eve, when they sinned in one of the consequences where they were sent out of of Eden. But God sent us redemption so that we could be reconciled to him. What sin does is it creates a death that separates us from God eternally. The consequences... that Adam and Eve suffered, but many of us experience to this day. Men and women, men and women rather, are more aware of self than they are of God. They're more aware of self than they are of God. I keep hearing this theme that's going through because you all know that uh, I'm also... Uh, in the helps industry. And so I try to keep abreast of certain things, you know, and, and, and with life coaching and, and all of that, there are some tools and techniques that I still use that help me uh, to help people. And, uh, and but, but you've been hearing in the community, uh, you've been hearing in the community all of these um, 
self-help and 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 self-awareness and all of these things, you know. And and there's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. But the thing that we have to realize is that from the fall, we become more aware of ourselves than we are of God. Another consequence of their actions is a lack of accountability. A lack of accountability and responsibility for their actions. When God confronted them as they were hiding from him, (laughs) Adam turned around and he had the audacity to blame God. Y'all better get in that word. You gave me this woman. (laughs) And And then Eve... She turned around and blamed the serpent. They started shirking their responsibilities from what they knew that they, the way of life that God had given them, they knew how things were orchestrated and and ordered. They acquired and developed fear and shame and guilt as a consequence of their actions. Yet in God's mercy, listen, listen. It's something about the love that God has for his children. While he gave the consequence for sin, he also cursed the serpent. He cursed the very thing that deceived them, the predator, the one that preyed on their lack of knowledge, their fear, their, their ignorance of who God was. He said, I got something for you. You going to mess with my, my children? I'm going to curse you. (laughs) And I'm going to use the very thing that you tried to come against through me. And I'm going to use it to bruise your head. I'm going to use it to kill you. Let's just be clear. But he promised a man that he would redeem him. Yeah, you got to go. He said, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get out of here. He evicted them from the garden. That was a consequence of their sin. You and I and everyone else were all shaped by this story. Because if you think about it, we, with that rebellious nature, you know how somebody say they get it from their mama. They get it from their daddy. (laughs) <laughs> we get it from our great, 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 great. Y'all go all the way back. <laughs> they were little rebellious jokers. We are all shaped by this story. And so Adam's failure to live by faith, when he refused to appropriate God's promises, it brought on spiritual death. God first, he he addressed the sin because that's what he does. He's going to address the sin in our life. And he does it not because he doesn't want to see us have fun. It's because in all of his wisdom, he knows that sin brings nothing but death. And if you want to look at it in a more practical way, think about it. Y'all out there fornicating and doing stuff and can't keep a relationship. Out there smoking and getting high and making all kinds of bad decisions. Finding yourself in these streets and and doing the street stuff and, 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 you know, your friends dying and you coming close to death and you always got to look over your back. See, he knows. He knew it before it started. I always say the best way to get out of something is to never get in it. And I thank God for his grace over my life personally that I can't even stomach alcohol, (laughs) I can't even drink. I can't smoke. I can't do none of that stuff because I get sick. I get physically sick and and psychologically sick, I guess I can say. I drink a drink. I don't care. I can get a little bit. I'll be crying and and laughing. And some of y'all do the same thing. Y'all just don't acknowledge it like I do and y'all just keep doing it. But for me, I can't stand it. I can't stand not having uh, control over my mind. But anyway, uh, so 
the sin that they committed caused consequences in their lives and it shaped the lives of their children, their children's children, all the way down to our generation. Can you imagine? Y'all better watch out. We're doing stuff today that will shape the lives of our children to come. Accept the invitation. Soon after, in the book of Genesis, if you all have been following and reading um, uh, uh, in, in, in these days, and I'm going to go over tonight uh, what scriptures we should be at. But anyway, uh, it talks about Cain and Abel. So Adam and Eve had children. They had Cain and they had Abel. And they, because of the love that they had for God, even though they were kicked out of um the Garden of Eden, they taught their sons to worship God. They taught their sons about God. They taught their sons about sin, and they taught them about redemption. But see, (laughs) of the two sons, one decided to go God's way, and the other decided to seek their own way and their own independence separate from God. Remind you of somebody? Kind of like their parents. So Abel comes to God's way of living. And if you read the word, it it shows that he offered his firstborn of his flock and God accepted it. Yet Cain, on the other end, he went independent of God's will and his way. And he sought to define his own way to God. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to instruct you instead of receive instructions. That's that, what I say, ODD. And God rejected it. God is the ever divine gentleman. He won't force his will on you. Yet he approached Cain and offered him another chance. But guess what? Cain refused. And not only did he just refuse, he went and killed his brother. We're going to dig into this story, but I want you to know that many of you are walking in that spirit of Cain. You want to tell God how to do things your way instead of accepting his instruction. He laid it out for us. I thank God for the dispensation that we live in. And I don't discount anything that those who came before us went through. But we got their example. We can look at their lives and we can cherry pick, if we want, what works and what don't. We can look at it holistically and we can take lessons learned from their successes and failures and apply it to our own life. See, Cain and Abel, they didn't have that. They were just going straight from from rip. My husband often say, he would be like, "Um, I want to start from scratch. He'd be like, I'm starting from itch. (laughs) But anyway, Cain rejected God's will and then had the nerve to go kill somebody who was doing the will of God. How many of y'all see that today? Folk get so mad at you because you walking in, a, in God's uh, obedience to God's will. And they want to assassinate and kill everything about you. But the devil is a liar. God cursed Cain's descendants. He cursed Cain. Even, even said something else. He said, look, I'm putting this on you. But better not nobody else touch you. But as a result of his sin, his descendants had to live outside of the presence of God. And in this space, there was going to be violence and polygamy. This is a good story, I'm telling you. Because we're going to also see His brother Seth 
and how redemption came through that bloodline after the flood. But anyway, if you get into Genesis 3 and uh, around 15, it talks about God's promise of redemption. He said one son is cursed and the other is dead, but never fear. A promise made by God is a promise fulfilled by God. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named himself. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. We'll learn as we continue to go down through this journey, through this Bible, the self-descendants continue down the road of faith. And they called upon the name of the Lord. And Cain's descendants, they ignored, they continued to ignore God and live independent of him, continuing down the path of making their own decisions. Listen, there are two ways of walking with God. One is walking in obedience to his will and in his way. The other is walking in disobedience and independent of his will and in your own way. The Bible reminds us that walking by faith and not walking by sight is what will help and allow us to make it through in this journey as we continue along God's path. He desired that Adam and Eve trusted his goodness and believed in his word, but it's sad because they were walking by what? Sight and not by faith. It is impossible for us to please God without faith. (laughs) And the thing about it is, as descendants of Adam and Eve, we all receive the DNA, the download of their sin. And what does that mean? They had a proud consciousness. They had their own proud face and, and they had their own independent spirit. How many of us deal with that and struggle with that? God is saying, accept my invitation today to humble yourself and pray. Seek my face, not yours. But even though they sinned and even though they did the things that they did, God paved a road, another road for us to walk by faith and by redemption. Abel, we learn as we dig into the word, he believed God. He acted accordingly and he accepted God. But Cain believed in his own way. And he lived accordingly outside of the presence of God. God's saying, I'm welcoming you back into my presence. But in order for you to do that, you must walk in obedience to his will. His instructions before the fall required that man believe that God is good and his word is true. Yet he promised us after the fall that his word is true and that he is most good. But yet there is redemption and that he will send his spirit to be with us, to help us to walk in his will. We must trust God and trust in his goodness. And if we don't, will remain under the curse that we saw Cain endure. I got to go because I'm taking over this girl's call today. Um, and it's almost 7.30 in the morning. I didn't expect to be here for this long, but it's so important. It's so important that we get in the will of God, that we accept the invitation of God. For those of you who have heard this word and it has touched your heart 
and compelled you to change, brought you to an impasse, a turning point in your life. I invite you to come with me and to redeem, to, to, to receive the redemption gift that God has given today. I want you to come with me and I want you to ask God for forgiveness. I want you to turn from your ways. I want you to seek his face. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. As we pray the prayer of salvation, I welcome those of you who feel connected to this ministry of God has has prompted your heart to join with us in this mission that he has given. I invite you to reach out. We welcome all. We'll meet you where you are. But trust and believe you'll never be the same. We're going from glory to glory on this side. And I thank God even now. All right, I love each and every one of you. We're going to pray and then we will dismiss. In Jesus' name, love you all. All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I want you to recite this prayer after me. If you have received the precious gift of salvation from our Lord and our Savior, I want you to recite this prayer after me. Father God, our most precious and holy Lord and Savior, I admit that I am a sinner. I have done many things that do not please you. I have lived my life for myself and lived independent of your will. I am sorry and I repent. I ask that you forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you were buried and you rose again to save my life. You did what I could not do for myself. And I now come to you and ask that you take full control over my life. I give it to you. I surrender my life to you. From this day forward, Father, I ask that you will help me to live every day for you and in a way that pleases you. Father God, I love you and I thank you and I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior and I am grateful that I will spend eternity with you. Father, I thank you as I declare the word of God over my life in Psalms 51 where David was asking for your forgiveness and he knew and understood that he could not do it for himself. The word of God says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins, wash me clean from my guilt, purify me from my sin, for I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Purify me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joys again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. The Word of God goes on to say, Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. Father, this is our prayer. We thank you 
We bless you. And we seal this prayer through our faith. And we ask, Lord Jesus, for immediate manifestation of your glory over this prayer. And that you will dispatch your angels to do that which you have commissioned them to do in each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. If you recited that prayer with me, welcome to the family. (laughs) I welcome you. And if you do not have a spiritual covering, I invite you to join us here at Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. And if this is not the space or the place for you, it's all right. Find a local church home. And if you need help, let me know. But find spiritual covering. Amen. All right. Love you all. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye.